1: The world is a complicated place. You need someone to expose the political fakers, fixers, and takers, and to cut through the mindless chatter and misdirection to help you make sense of it all. That person is Dan Proft. And this is The Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to The Dan Proft Show. So uh, this week, uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki basically said of COVID-19, it's never going to end. The lockdown policies, the uh, social distancing and mask wearing and uh, general mandates of atomizing ourselves will never end. She didn't use those words, but she might as well.
0: Uh, What we're also trying to do is make our health and medical experts available to ensure people understand, and I'll reiterate it here today, it's not just a vaccine. It's obviously an incredible medical breakthrough, um, and we want every American to have one. But even after you're vaccinated, social distancing, wearing masks are going to be essential, and we'll we'll need to continue communicating about that through health and medical experts. So what do you
1: say to those folks? What do you say to the folks like those that we... It's funny, uh because... Just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, then upon taking office, I heard it was uh, just 100 days, just 100 days to wear a mask, just another 100 days, just like just it's just two weeks to flatten the curve, just a little while longer to slow the spread. Now it's after you're vaccinated, still stay away from people, still wear a mask, still not be a person. For more on this, we're pleased to be joined by Brendan O'Neill. He is the editor of Spiked Spiked. Uh, on uh, dash online.com is where you can find him. Brendan, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Hi. Uh, the um, pronouncements from the Biden White House are a bit depressing. And um, apparently what's going on in the UK is quite depressing. Uh, reading your piece about uh, not surrendering to the new normal, but uh, that implies there is a real push for what we're experiencing, and what you're experiencing in England to be the new normal. Isn't there?
0: There absolutely is. Yes. I think, The public health lobby and some people in the political class have got a real taste for authoritarianism over the past year you know they've been in control of almost every aspect of our lives in in the british context we couldn't leave our houses without good reason you could be stopped by the police and asked why you were outdoors we weren't allowed to go to work we weren't allowed to go to the pub we still aren't allowed to do those things because we're currently in our third lockdown and i think a lot of people are reluctant to relinquish that kind of control that they've had over our lives and what people are now arguing is that we can't go back to the old normal we have to go forward to a new normal where we will carry on social distancing carry on wearing masks and carry on bowing down to the expertise of of scientists and politicians who know best about how to deal with crises so i think we're going to see the institutionalization of the lockdown mentality and that and i think that's something that all of us should be worried about
1: you uh made an interesting observation about uh, the sort of reaction and how people uh receive the first lockdown as compared to how they're reacting behaving in the face of the third lockdown in the uk and it's actually quite depressing the uh the change in behavior
0: Yeah, I think, you know, the first lockdown, which for us started in mid-March, mid-March 2020, and it was supposed to last three weeks, but it ended up lasting around three months. And it was very frustrating. People were very confused. We lost all of our freedoms. Um, Hardly anyone was going outdoors. Uh, I would often go into central London and you could walk for miles and not see a single person. It's, It's one of the eeriest things I've ever witnessed in my life. So the first lockdown was very peculiar, but it had this sense of anticipation that it was going to come to an end. We would all go back to the pub. We would all go back to work. We would see our friends. We would hug each other. There was a sense that it was a temporary measure. It was an unusual measure and it, was, it, it, it wouldn't last very long. So that is what helped us to cope. But in this current lockdown, that sense of anticipation, that, that thirst for getting our freedoms back seems to have disappeared And in fact, what's happening now, anybody who asks the government, when will we open up again? When will we see the restoration of our civil liberties? Those kinds of people are written off as uncaring and COVID sceptics and people who would rather have a social life than save the lives of old people. So the loss of that desire to go back to normal, I think, is very palpable in this lockdown. And it suggests to me that the lockdown is starting to wear down on people yeah. and make us feel that there is, there is no real future for us outside of this kind of setup.
1: That that's how I I received your your piece when reading it it's like a, that the the lockdown is really starting to break people in in big numbers. Mm. And
0: yes, I think that's right, yeah.
1: And, and we see some of that here too, people folding. But um the flip side and and I don't know if there's this dynamic in England as much but Despite the uh, case numbers, uh, for the the amount of cases, the amount of infections, as well as sort of the amount of deaths over um, the beginning of the year till sort of the end of January being higher than even at the outset of the outbreak and the lockdowns, you started to have big city mayors and big state governors start to slowly open up a little bit because they're under tremendous pressure to relent as much of the rest of the country is significantly more open than states like New York and Illinois and California. So it's this interesting dynamic where they've had to sort of expose themselves as the political actors they are, not the, the men and women of science and data. Uh, but we're still a long way away. I mean, you know, 25% freedom isn't, doesn't feel like one-fourth of what we used to enjoy pre-pandemic.
0: That's right. And um, th- there is that tension in the UK as well. The way it plays out in Britain is that Um, The Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, who's in charge of the economy in the UK, he's pushing for us to open up because he knows about the devastating consequences that the lockdown is having on economic life. Millions of people in Britain, Britain are going to lose their jobs. The government has spent billions and billions of pounds over the past year. We're going to be in debt for a very, very long time. So he's conscious of the economic devastation we are causing to ourselves. Whereas other elements within the political sphere are saying, no, we've got to stay locked down for as long as possible until everyone over the age of 50 has been vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera. So there are political forces saying, listen, we've got to start opening up. But they're currently being drowned out by the lockdown fanatics, and the people I'm most scared of at the moment are lockdown fanatics.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you talk in your piece about a culture of fear. You know, when you think of when when I think of the UK, at least, I think of you know stiff upper lip. I think of Churchill, and uh, and and sort of the the. Um, uh, resilience of the British people like uh, uh, the American people used to be resilient once upon a time. And, and now you're talking uh, in your piece about a culture of fear that has gripped the nation. And I wonder um, if you think that that is going to be a lasting paradigm shift for British culture.
0: I think it is. That's that's something that worries me. I mean, we still have a, a culture of stoicism as well. We do still have an attitude of stiff upper lip and keep calm and carry on, which is yeah. of the, a famous British slogan. We still do have that. There are many people who are putting up with lockdown but don't think it should be a long-term solution to problems like this. So those people are out there. They're pretty voiceless at the moment, but they are out there. But I think the bigger problem is that if you encourage an entire population to rely on the government for a whole year, Mm. to rely on the government for money, to rely on the government for permission to leave your house to rely on the government for the right to go for a jog, the right to walk your dog. If you, if you encourage millions of people to be that reliant on the government in every area of life, you will, I think, start to rob people of their sense of confidence and of their sense of social connection and social solidarity. So I actually think the long-term impact of this, especially on younger generations whose education and social life will have been interrupted for, for two years by the time this is over, I think the consequences of that will be long lasting. And I don't think our government has factored in just how destructive those consequences will be.
1: And, and I know, um, you know, you're, as you pointed out, you're not allowed to ask the question, you know, what's the horizon for, uh, relaxing some of the restrictions that, uh, uh, that Britain Britain is currently under, but, but is there any sense of that? Is there any sense, you know, we're talking here about, uh, herd immunity being achieved through the combination of infection and vaccinations at the rate we're going sometime maybe in June, june maybe Mayish. As some of the experts are saying. Is, is there any sort of conversation like that happening in Britain?
0: Those conversations are taking place and we are doing incredibly well with vaccination at the moment, far better than the rest of Europe, which is testament to um, the liberty that we have brought to ourselves as, as a result of leaving the European Union. You know, mm. we've we've now vaccinated 15% of the population, more than 10 million people. That's going very well. So there are discussions about when herd immunity is likely to be reached. But this is the worrying thing for me. It, instead of those discussions leading to a positive demand that we get back to normal, we increase our freedoms, we increase our democratic rights, instead what it's given rise to is this insistence that we can't rush back to normal life we have to institutionalize measures in the long term so even the hope the light at the end of the tunnel which is how boris johnson described the vaccine even that is being snuffed out by people who are determined to keep us in this culture of fear for a longer time
1: Yeah, and the same thing here as we played from uh, the white house press secretary at the outset brendan o'neill editor of spike spiked-online.com brendan thanks as always for joining us appreciate it
0: thank you thank you
1: Good seat and sharpen your pencils. Class is in session with Professor Dan Proft and the Dan Proft Show.